Good mornings, I'm Chris Oaks, and coming up today, it's time to stuff the bus. Our annual school supplies drive for families in need to make sure every student starts the new year ready to learn. Today's broadcast from McDonald's on Tiffin Avenue. Also this morning, pencils, crayons, backpacks, vaccines. The American Academy of Family Physicians warns that a growing number of kids are behind on their immunization schedule, raising the risk we could see more outbreaks of easily preventable disease. This is the Good Mornings Podcast Edition for Friday, July 15th, 2022. Today, if you are looking for a reason to celebrate, it is Gummy Worm Day. And I thought this was interesting. I always thought that gummy worms, uh, were that was spelled with a Y, gummy with a Y, G-U-M-M-Y. But according to the official list here, it says gummy is spelled with an I, G-U-M-M-I. So I'm not sure... Gummy Worm Day, exactly how it is spelled, but it is Gummy Worm Day. I just want to make sure that we do this properly. It is also National Be a Dork Day. Like, for example, if you're debating the proper spelling of the word gummy, it's a good way of observing <laughs> National Be a Dork Day. It is I Love Horses Day, National Respect Canada Day, National Tapioca Pudding Day, National Give Something Away Day today. And that, I think, is the one that we really want to focus on because we are asking you to give away uh, either uh, a couple of dollars, some of your school supplies that you go and pick up to uh, help us stuff the bus for families in need. That is the purpose. There you go. It is uh, Give Something Away Day. So uh, this is a kind of interesting uh, speaking of uh, McDonald's, I don't know if you saw this video. I did not see the video. I saw some still images of this in the uh, report. A woman trending on TikTok after a video was posted of her climbing through a McDonald's drive through window to cook her own food. <laughs> did you see this? The, the user uh, who posted the video said the employees apparently ran out of gloves so they couldn't take any more orders because of uh, sanitary concerns. And the uh, the woman was not having any of it. She said, well, I'm going to start my first day of training so she could make her own order. And she climbed through the drive through window to get into the kitchen. Uh, now, there is no footage of her actually cooking her meal, so whether she actually got her order is unknown. But uh, already nearly a million views online for this. <laughs> Don't do that. I think they, they're, they're all set. People are moving through the drive-thru here just fine, so uh, no issues for us uh, here this morning at McDonald's on Tiffin Avenue. That's crazy. Speaking of TikTok, I saw this uh, story on the uh, Newswire. A uh, TikTok video uh, went viral that showed a random act of kindness by a creator uh, on the platform that turned out to, well, it was supposed to be a random act of kindness, but the woman featured, uh, who was supposed to be the recipient on the receiving end, wasn't too happy about it. 
She said she feels exploited. Harrison Pollock uploaded the video last month. Uh, he approaches this older woman sitting in a mall food court and asks her to hold a bouquet of flowers while he puts on his jacket. So she does, and he puts on his jacket and then turns to her and says, have a lovely day, and walks off and leaves her holding the flowers. That is a nice thing to do, right? Give her, giving her flowers. But the woman, identified only as Mary, was not too happy about it. Uh, this, by the way, happened in Australia. And uh, Mary said he um, interrupted my quiet time. He filmed and uploaded a video without my consent. And he turned it into something it wasn't. I feel like he's making quite a lot of money uh, through me. He was also upset about... She was also upset as, about it being framed as her being a sad old woman in a heartbreaking story. said, that's not the case at all. I was just enjoying some quiet time. Anyway, the uh, spokesperson for uh, Mr. Pollock says he was inspired to start doing kind acts after seeing homelessness in Los Angeles, stating, while cynics may claim it's for views, uh, we just have a personal commitment to helping people feel more connected and trusting. So... But she wasn't having any of it. I don't want any random acts of kindness. We don't need any random acts of kindness. <laughs> By the way, speaking of random acts of kindness, just a moment ago, somebody pulls up here um, to uh, make a donation for Stuff the Bus <laughs> on a motorcycle. <laughs> he comes up here just a moment ago. I don't know if you heard the, the motorcycle on the background. And he takes the backpack <laughs> that he's wearing off and donates it. He actually wore the back. So he tried it out. <laughs> That's pretty cool. Thank you very much for the donation. Appreciate it. <laughs> that was cool. Uh, what else is going on among the first things you need to know this morning? Uh, politics. Crazy politics news. John Fetterman is the Democratic nominee for U.S. Senate in Pennsylvania. He is uh, going up against Republican Mehmet Oz. Okay, Dr. Oz, you know, is running for Senate out of Pennsylvania. John Fetterman, who is currently the or currently or the former lieutenant governor of the state. Anyway, now John Fetterman has enlisted, get this, Snooky from the Jersey Shore <laughs> to target Dr. Oz in a new campaign video. <laughs> Fetterman's campaign has repeatedly gone after Dr. Oz, who rose to fame on TV, for living in New Jersey before announcing his campaign for U.S. Senate in Pennsylvania. So this online video shares a link to a video of Snooki from the Cameo website that lets users pay for personal video messages from celebrities. Snooki uh, chides Dr. Oz about leaving New Jersey to look for a new job. And she says, personally, I don't know why anyone would want to leave New, Jer want to leave New Jersey. <laughs> I think the rest of us understand perfectly, but not Snooky. Anyway, she wishes him well while suggesting he will be back soon, saying, I know you're away from home and you're in a new place, but Jersey will not forget you. And don't worry, you'll be back home in Jersey soon. This is only temporary. So, I don't know. The whole thing, I just saw that and I thought the whole thing smacks of desperation. If, if Fetterman, if John Fetterman is enlisting Snooky as a campaign surrogate, that's how you know your campaign is not going well. You know? <laughs> you know your campaign is not going well when you have to enlist the services of Snooky. 
Uh, let's see here. What else is going on? Among the first things you need to know this morning. This is kind of interesting. And again, given the fact that we are broadcasting this morning uh, from the uh, parking lot at McDonald's. You know, uh, fast food gets a, a bad rap uh, for, you know, its health effects on the American public. And, uh, you know, that and our sedentary lifestyle and so on. But new research out of China finds that super skinny people are more likely to be couch potatoes than those with a normal or higher than normal body mass index. The researchers found that it's not more activity and less food which keeps many people from fitting into a size small. They are actually just running hotter in terms of their metabolism. Uh, The uh, researchers say, we expected to find that these people are really active and have high activity metabolic rates matched by high food intakes. But uh, that's not the case. It turns out that something very different is going on. They had lower food intakes and lower activity, as well as surprisingly higher than expected resting metabolic rates linked to elevated levels of their thyroid hormones. Anyway, uh, scientists have been baffled by super lean people who appear to be able to eat what they want and never gain weight. Defined as having a BMI of less than 18.5, super lean individuals comprise just under 2% of the population in the U.S. Interestingly, the international team reports that these individuals also have a higher rate of sedentary lifestyles. So, anyway, maybe it's not all of that uh, just sitting around on the couch and... Eating the fast food after all that's uh, bad for us. I don't know. It's kind of interesting. And uh, one final note here among the first things you need to know this morning. (laughs) And it is the story of Travis Herzog. This, again, a video that you can find online. Go and watch this. It's actually kind of funny. Travis is the chief meteorologist of KTRK Television in Texas. Um, San Antonio, I believe it is. KTRK. Anyway... Uh, Texas was going through a really dangerous heat wave this week, and on Wednesday, he was reporting on the heat wave and talking about how scorching temperatures can cause rolling blackouts. And as he was educating viewers on the cause of these blackouts, the station lost power. <laughs> While he was on the air talking about blackouts, they, were at a, they had a blackout. <laughs> uh, fortunately, the... Uh, Station had backup generators, so they were able to keep broadcasting. And uh, Mr. Herzog calmly went about his uh, story, go back to his weather report. Uh, but he later <clears throat> later shared the video and tweeted, That moment you're on live TV talking about the hot weather that could lead to rolling blackouts, and then the power goes out. That's <laughs> And interestingly, I have had one of those moments myself uh, in my radio career this is years and years and years ago uh at a previous station I was on the air we had uh thunderstorms rolling through the area and uh, we were going through you know all of the uh advice to people that you uh offer up when you have thunderstorms you say you know stay inside stay away from windows uh stay away from uh electronic devices and and things like that because they can conduct electricity and you might get shocked and and i made an offhanded comment while i'm sitting in my studio talking saying 
And I and I said we're we're sitting in a studio surrounded by thousands of dollars of electronic equipment telling you not to go near your toaster. And just at that moment, lightning struck and threw us off the air. <laughs> and I thought to myself, somebody out there is going to think that I just got fried. But <laughs> it was just strange timing. Anyway, these things happen sometimes live broadcasting. We are at McDonald's on Tiffin Avenue uh, for this year's Stuff the Bus campaign. Presented by Friends Office, our uh, broadcast here this morning. So as we mentioned, we are live at McDonald's on Tiffin Avenue for our annual Stuff the Bus School Supplies campaign. Collecting donations of school supplies and uh, monetary donations to help out families in need. And our broadcast here made possible by the folks at Friends Office. And Alicia Giangiordano is uh, with us here at Mickey D's to tell us all about. You guys are very busy, are going to get very busy uh, very soon with this whole back-to-school thing yourselves. Yes, yes. so we start getting busy probably about May when a lot of the school's bulk orders come through. Mm -hmm. And then we spend all summer packaging all of those orders for schools and kind of housing them in our warehouses until it's convenient to deliver in the fall. Now, how many school districts do you serve? Currently, we're serving a little over 300 in Ohio, Um, and within all of those districts, there are multiple buildings. One of our biggest districts has over 100 buildings, Um, and more recently, we are um, branching out from our five typical locations, which are Avon, Boardman, Finley, Dayton, and Columbus, but now, more recently, we're also getting into the Defiance um, area, as well as Lexington, Kentucky. Wow, so all over the place, and... You know, we talk about getting our kids ready for school. You know, I know you have one, and, you know, we've gone through this before, and families say, oh, goodness, we have two or three kids that we've got to get prepared for back to school. Can't even imagine supplying literally a 100 buildings uh, in a school district. It's it's definitely a work, um, a lot of work for us, yeah. but we appreciate everything that teachers and schools do, especially for the students, and so we try to make it um, the best that we can for them, as yeah. convenient as possible. So what we do with our orders, um, when the schools send their orders in the fall, we end up packaging those orders by not only school district, but by mm-hmm. building and also by grade level. And we label each of the boxes and orders with specific teachers' names. <laughs> you can tell we're live. Uh, <laughs> there goes uh, Hanco uh, bias. You can tell we're live uh, on location here. So, um, so this is a, a huge process. It, is it? it it's be, it's more than just school uh, supplies and other classroom supplies uh, that you uh, do as well. I mean, there are other. Uh, furniture and you know things like that that you do uh, supply for the schools as well. Yes, yeah, so we're actually as well as our other offices. Yeah, so our tagline is everything school, for people at work, yeah. but we also like to say everything for people at school as well. Yeah. So we obviously are known for office supplies. 
Um, more recently, we became very popular um, as people became educated that we also source janitorial and custodial items. Right. We have break room and coffee, school supplies, and then furniture for offices and schools both. Mm-hmm. Um, another couple of unique things that we've branched out to in the last year or two, um, document solutions as well as some technology. So a lot of schools are utilizing us for one screens and smart boards and laptops and things like that. Um, and as well as some of our older building schools um, that don't have the quality air purification built into their buildings, mm-hmm. they're utilizing us to um, branch into some of those air purifiers for wow. their classrooms. So you are definitely keeping busy this yes. time of year yes. as the uh, countdown is on for back to school. Uh, and in addition to all of that, you also do school supplies packages for students right now how does this work how does because i know you don't have the typical retail location where people would go in and buy their school supplies so correct so we use um a program called class kits and we work with the schools on their supply lists per grade level and per gender okay um we create uh those lists online and send out a QR code every year for the parents. They just quickly log in. They click what school building, uh, what grade level, and what gender their child is. Awesome. And we automatically know exactly what to put in this little box for their child. And, again, we label it not only by building and by grade level, but we also put their child's name on it and supply sheets of labels so their child can label each of their boxes of crayons and markers. And it is as simple as that. It sounds so simple, uh, making, doesn't it? <laughs> making school shopping as easy as back to school shopping as easy as possible. Uh, I would have loved that when my kids were that age. Just click and you're done. Definitely, everything's now, included. You mentioned that you send out the QR codes. I'm assuming to those who have uh, in your database who have bought from you before. Uh, but if if somebody is not purchase their back-to-school kits, their school supply kits, classroom kits uh, before, how do they find that if they want to do that? So all of our account managers that work with our schools will hand out um, PDFs as well. A okay. lot of schools are utilizing those digital um, okay. texts that go out and emails. So those and will generally like come from the school? Yep. The okay. school will help us promote it, but the great thing and what schools really love is that the schools are very hands-off other than promoting it. Right. So parents pay online with their card. We receive the money. Um, we package the orders. We deliver the orders, and it already has the child's name on it. So right. the school, when they receive all of those boxes... So they go straight to the school, then? They do. They, we, okay. we send so it right to the to school at the convenience, and um, we, we get with the school and schedule an appropriate day um, for them. That way, the boxes are there and on the child's desk for meet the teacher night or, you know, open awesome. houses. That is awesome. I mean, it's... Like you don't have enough else to do. That's yeah, we definitely... We, you are definitely keeping busy. We bring in some yeah. summer help as well, and a lot of times it's university kids and teachers that you know, want to do something that is over awesome. the summer. That is awesome. Um, and real quickly, I also want to mention this, uh, because again, while we're on the subject of schools and teachers, you have a grant program for teachers. Tell us a little bit about this. Yeah, so our Wright grant um, is actually known for We Recognize Innovative Teaching and Education, and it's grown over the last decade. So now we are awarding $1,000 worth of products to at least three, sometimes five teachers a year. 
um, what teachers do. They go on our website. In the footer of our website, there is a Write Grant link they can click on. They write a 500-word essay on what products they could get from friend's office to create an innovative lesson that benefits their students. And that's all they have to do. Mm-hmm. Um, we have a team of people that read through those essays, and we select three to five people. Uh, we get with them at their convenience and deliver all of those wish list items to them in the spring. And it's just a blast. This past year, when we showed up to a school, we were, you know, about 15 minutes early or so just to make sure we were set up and ready to go. Right. We walk in, and the secretary took us over to the teacher. She was duct taped to a wall. <laughs> so we were like, what is happening? Like, Okay. And she was duct taped to a wall as a fundraiser for a local charity the students were raising money for, and she was the teacher that they had selected to duct tape to a wall. <laughs> And then you remove a chair and see how long she hangs there. And so we did our whole interview and gifting we, her things as she hung as there. As she was duct taped to the wall. Yeah. We have some dedicated teachers in this we area, do. don't we? We uh, do. That is uh, awesome. Again, uh, Alicia Gendradano with Friends Office with us this morning, making our broadcast possible. If folks want to learn more about uh, all of that stuff, especially the grant program, how do they how do they do that? So our website is www.friendsoffice.com. If you scroll all the way down to the footer, there's a lot of links for information on what we do, not only for schools but for offices, um, as well as a Write Grant link that those teachers can click on. And the application process is open until February. You know, it never fails. Every year when we do the Stuff the Bus campaign, someone... Usually many people will say, I haven't even started thinking about back to school yet. But we have to start now in order to make sure that we can get these school supplies to the families that need them. And when it comes to preparing to send kids back to class, parents should know this as well. With the pandemic disrupting annual preventive health visits, childhood vaccination rates have been declining. Earlier this week, I spoke with Dr. Christopher Scuderi of the American Academy of Family Physicians about the importance of getting your kids up to date by adding vaccinations to your back-to-school checklist. First of all, we need to make clear we're not simply talking about COVID-19 vaccinations here. In fact, in some respects, that may be the least of your concerns. You have seen a decline in the rate of virtually all childhood vaccinations. How much of that is the residual effect of the pandemic? Thanks, Chris. And so we, we do feel that this is a residual effect of the pandemic. You know, so much of our life was disrupted over the past two years. And so a lot of things that were normal, like an annual well-child visit for your children, may have been put off. And so I'm here today just to encourage parents that if it's been a while since your child's been in for a well-child visit or they may be falling behind on organizations, now is a great time to catch up on that. And so I know summer's busy. I know as a parent, it's, it's, it's a tough time. You've got vacations planned and right. different activities. But I want to tell you one thing that's really important to do to set up your child for success during the school year is to plan for that visit and make sure that your child's up to date on their immunization. Has apprehension and downright skepticism of the COVID vaccine kind of trickled down into the distrust of vaccines in general? Like, Explain the, the importance of following that set immunization schedule to make sure that kids are up to date on their vaccines before they head back to class. 
And so that vaccine schedule is one of the most important things you can do to protect your child. You know, it's, it's been studied for a long time. It's been given to so many millions of children. And it's designed to really work with your child's immune system at specific times to make sure that they're optimally protected against many diseases, almost 19 different preventable diseases. And so I would encourage parents to remember that many of these diseases we do not commonly see in the United States are still very common in other parts of the world and that we have a lot of people traveling. And so one of the best things that you can do to protect your child is to keep them up to date and make sure they're following that vaccine schedule. Uh, that leads us to the question of, about the term uh, herd immunity. We've heard that a lot uh, over the course of the past couple of years. And in many cases, uh, people don't really fully understand exactly what that means. Explain the importance of herd immunity and how that comes into play here. So herd immunity is sometimes a tough concept. And I know we've heard a lot during the COVID-19 pandemic. So to to break it down, herd immunity is when a large portion of the community becomes immune to a specific disease. And when this happens, it makes the likelihood of that disease being spread person to person unlikely. And so why this concept is, is, is really important is because when the immunity rates in a community drop just 1% lower than what's needed for herd immunity, it puts that community at risk of a devastating outbreak. And a good example of this is, is with measles. In the United States, declare that measles was eliminated in the year 2000, but yet in 2019, we had over 1,200 cases of measles in 31 different states. And so it's important to remember that even though we have, you know, really good immune system, uh, 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 processes to make sure the children are vaccinated here in the United States, these diseases are still occurring in other parts of the world. In fact, in 2018, I think there was over 10 million cases of measles around the world. So Every step we take to protect our children is important. And you use measles as an example, but I understand that there are a number of uh, conditions of, of diseases and maladies where we're teetering right there on the threshold of herd immunity and may actually drop below that. There's a great concern that we may see a resurgence of a number of these uh, illnesses. Yes, there is. And, and so whooping coughs, another one. And so, you know, as, as a family physician, I have a number of patients that are in my practice that have post-polio syndrome, and they have lifelong disability from it. And so I think of our younger generations, they're not familiar with polio, but it's important to remember that the risk of these diseases far outweigh the minimal risk of the vaccines. And so I stress the parents out there that just it's really important to keep your kids protected against all these diseases that are out there and make sure that they're especially ready to go back to school. Now, as we mentioned, we're not just talking about COVID-19. In many cases, uh, there are things uh, that are even uh, much more serious that we're talking about. But with respect to COVID-19, the vaccines are now available for virtually everyone from six months uh, up. But there has been, again, a lot of uh, confusion. Dosage amount uh, different uh, differs from one vaccine to the uh, to the next. There have been different numbers in terms of efficacy that have been tossed about out there. Break all of this down for us. What do parents need to know about the COVID-19 vaccine specifically for school-age children? So to break it down for parents, both the Moderna and Pfizer vaccines were recently approved for ages six months and up. And so in this this youngest age group, which was just approved, there's a couple key differences between the two vaccines that I want to stress. The first is the Moderna vaccine is a fraction of the adult dose, and it's given over two doses, four weeks apart. The Pfizer vaccine is also a fraction of the adult dose, but it differs in the Moderna vaccine that's given in three doses. So a child will receive their first dose, 
They'll receive a second dose three weeks after the first dose, and then they'll receive a third dose eight weeks after the second dose. And so it's important for parents to realize that that third dose is not a booster. It's part of the primary series. Mm-hmm. Both of these vaccines were designed in a specific way to make sure that they're as, as safe and effective as possible for this young age group. The other group that we want to reach is children five years and up mm-hmm. who had their last COVID-19 vaccine greater than five months ago. They're now due for a booster, so we want to recommend that they get a booster, too, before going back to school. And that is your advice uh, to those parents because, uh, again, from the news reports and the, the surveys, uh, there is a great amount of apprehension among many people uh, whether or not they should get their uh, children immunize, immunized against uh, COVID-19. Your uh, advice to parents is to go ahead and get that shot? So as a parent, I understand those fears. Uh, we want our children to be healthy. We want to make sure that we're preserving their long-term health. What I talk to my patients about COVID-19 is that it's an unpredictable illness and that in children, we're not sure which children are going to develop long-term COVID, which children are going to end up needing to be hospitalized, and which children may even die. We've had over 1,200 children in the United States die from COVID-19. And so as a parent, you have to look and say, what can I do to best protect my child against these severe parts of the illness, against hospitalization and death. And the COVID vaccines have been shown to do that, that they do prevent against severe illness and they do prevent against death. And so it's a tool. And so I would recommend parents who have concerns or questions, talk to your family physician about this. Make sure that you're comfortable and you feel like this this vaccine is right for my children and, and just know that you can come to your family physician with any questions. One of the most rewarding parts of my job over the past year and a half has been talking to my patients who have specific concerns about vaccines, including COVID-19, yeah. why they're important, what's what's important with their specific health concerns, and, you know, looking yeah. at the data with them to make sure they feel comfortable. We want everybody to feel comfortable with what's being done for their health. Which is exactly what we uh, aim to do right now this morning here. And real quickly, uh, what should our timeline be? Assuming that most students return to school right around the week before or after Labor Day, when should we be scheduling those appointments? So I encourage all parents listening today, schedule them now. You know, it's easy to kick the can down the road. It's easy to say, hey, it's a couple weeks down there. It's summer's busy. But this is a great time to make those appointments, and I'll encourage you for a few reasons. The first, typically the week or two before school tends to be some of the busiest set of physicians' offices. So you want to make sure your child has an appointment. The second is some of the vaccines that your child may receive may need to be given in series. And so if you want your child to have peak immunity when the school year starts, it may be good for them to receive their vaccines now. And the third is for those parents who do have some concerns or some fears about vaccines, schedule an appointment. Talk to your family physician. I, I really want to encourage you to do that. We don't want any parents out there to be afraid. We want parents to be able to come with concerns because there's been a lot of misinformation over the past couple of years and to be able to discuss that with someone who you trust and, and, and someone who's willing to go over the pros and cons with you. Again, uh, family physician Dr. Christopher Scuderi with us this morning talking about the importance of uh, getting our kids back on schedule with their immunizations. And where do you folks go for more information? You've got a website real quickly. Familydoctor.org slash vaccines is a terrific website. It's got great information on it that you know, parents and patients can access anytime if they have questions about it. We interrupt this program to bring you a broken news alert. Today's update on the odd and unusual side of the news brought to you as a public service, more or less, of Hancock County Veterans Services. A 43-year-old woman is facing several charges after allegedly leading police on a high-speed pursuit across three counties in a U-Haul truck. (laughs) 
the uh, state patrol, the state of Washington, said uh, yesterday morning's chase led officers on more than 70, for, for more than 70 miles across Whatcom, Skagit, and Snohomish counties on Interstate 5. Police say the woman was seen throwing a bong out of the truck's window at one point. <laughs> the pursuit allegedly began just after midnight when police tried to pull the woman over for a suspectedly, uh, uh, suspicion of driving under the influence after she was seen swerving out of her lane and driving into oncoming traffic. The chase ended in Everett when the woman ran out of gas. <laughs> Okay, then. I'm guessing that she's not getting her deposit back from U-Haul. <laughs> uh, let's see here. Speaking of uh, chases in unusual vehicles, a man under arrest in Madison, Wisconsin, after police say he stole a moped. And uh, <laughs> there... Fortunately, there wasn't a uh, high-speed chase, I mean, as much as a moped would be capable of that. Uh, police say an officer pulled the suspect over yesterday evening, discovered the moped was stolen, and arrested him. Police say once the suspect got to jail, officers found several different types of drugs on his person, including methamphetamine, cocaine, and crack. He is charged with possession with the intent to deliver. Also, operating a vehicle without the owner's consent and bail jumping. That's a full rich day right there. That's. <laughs> uh, let's see. Speaking of th strange people, strange things people do when behind the wheel, a father under arrest in San Diego on suspicion of stunt driving with his two young children in the car. Police say Jonathan Mendoza took part in an illegal sideshow on Tuesday night where multiple vehicles reportedly were performing burnouts and donuts on private property. Mr. Mendoza was stopped by police, and his two children, ages five and six, were found in the back seat. <laughs> uh, without any child car safety seats. I mean, hey, man, if you're going to do that, at least put them in a, in a car seat. Mr. Mendoza has been booked into the San Diego County Jail, accused of reckless driving, DUI, and felony child endangerment. This was kind of weird. This is a story you don't hear very often, this type of story in the uh, broken news. In uh, Oakland County, Michigan, Brandon Smith has recovered his $80,000 prosthetic leg after it became disconnected and sank almost 50 feet to the bottom of Sunrise Lake. <laughs> his prosthetic leg. Apparently, Mr. Smith was floating on a raft with his six-year-old son when his leg fell off. <laughs> the, I shouldn't laugh about that. It's just a funny. <laughs> it's just a funny line. That's not what you expect to read in a news report. Mr. Smith was floating on a raft with his six-year-old six son when his leg fell off. The Oakland County Sheriff's Office called their dive team in to recover the leg. It was in good condition, only took about an hour, and he's got his leg back. $80,000 prosthetic leg. <laughs> I'd want that back, too. <laughs> and... <laughs> Finally, in the uh, broken news this morning, 
Now this is now this is crazy but cool at the same time. A, a woman in uh, I'm not sure exactly where this is. Now that I I think about it, I don't have a, a dateline on the uh, on the store uh, or on the story. Uh, but this woman by the name of uh, Chloe Fountain got an unexpected kitchen makeover when a bunch of renovators showed up to the wrong address, let themselves in through her unlocked front door, <laughs> and redid her kitchen. <laughs> uh, apparently, this is actually the second time that renovators showed up at her house unexpectedly. Last year, her garden got renovated, and this year, she got a new kitchen. For the record... She never hired anyone, and those paid professionals simply went to the wrong house. Uh, Chloe said, I went out grocery shopping, and I didn't lock my door. I live in a little town. Uh, oh, by the way, this is... Uh, there they go again. It's been a, it's been a busy morning out here uh, at McDonald's uh, for uh, Hanco. <laughs> So anyway, Chloe said, uh, oh, here's the uh, Daylines uh, just outside of Detroit. Now, I'm not sure where outside of Detroit, but uh, small little town just outside of Detroit. So anyway, Chloe says, I go out grocery shopping, and I didn't lock my door. Live in a safe uh, town, uh, so didn't don't typically lock the door, apparently. When she got home, she uh, walked in and saw a large red carpet leading into her kitchen. She told the renovators they were working at the wrong house, and after speaking with the boss, she was still handed a bill for the work. Not wanting to cause trouble, she paid for the work done and now has a brand new kitchen. Uh, despite the unexpected cost, she says they loved what they, she loves what they did with the place. <laughs> and for those who think this is a scam, the woman said, they put granite in my kitchen, so where I live, the homes are all cookie cutters. Uh, there are the exact same layout. Uh, so it's easy to get one home confused with the other. So that's the story, and she's sticking with it. Anyway, there you go. That is the... <laughs> must be the luckiest person on earth. Just what? come home and your kitchen's in the middle of being renovated. There you go. Uh, that is today's Broken News Report. This update on the odd, unusual side of the news brought to you as a public service, more or less of Hancock County Veteran Services. We now return you to your regularly scheduled programming. August 2nd is primary election day in Ohio. This is WFIN News Director Matt Demchek. Join WFIN on Wednesday afternoon at 5 for a candidate forum featuring the two Democrat hopefuls for the 83rd House District from Melissa Kritzel and Claire Osborne as they make their case to be state representative. Listen to what the candidates have to say in the forum Wednesday afternoon at 5 on 1330 WFIN, WFIN.com and 95.5 FM. And now your daily download, the numbers behind the news and the statistics that shape our lives. And this one I saw popped out at me because we're talking about back to school and, and all of that today. And a new Gallup poll that was out yesterday finds that Americans aren't feeling too great about public schools these days. Just 28% of those in this poll have a great deal or quite a lot of confidence in America's public schools. That is the second lowest on record, just just slightly above the all-time low of 26% in 2014. Now, not a big surprise, there is a partisan divide on this. 
Just 14% of Republicans have confidence in public schools, but even on the other side, only 43% of Democrats say that they have confidence in the public schools. So significantly less than half on both sides of the political aisle. But that 29% point gap between Democrats and Republicans is up from 25 points last year and reflects a big drop in confidence in public schools uh, among, well, really both, but especially Republicans from 34% in 2020 down to 20% last year and uh, 14% now. Public schools, of course, became a political background during the pandemic uh, with conflicts over mask mandates and schools reopening for in-person learning and so on, and the experts believe that that's really where much of that come from. And there has also, of course, been conflict over the past several years about curriculum and issues of critical race theory, to use that buzzword and so on. But uh, in the final analysis, uh, the uh, public schools uh, taking a hit in the confidence factor among the general public. Something worth thinking about. We are so fortunate in this uh, area to have really, really good public schools all the way around. Tammy Stahl is here from the uh, Christian Clearinghouse, and we were talking just before we went on the air here that this is the 15th year for the Stuff the Bus campaign? 15 years. Wow. Can you believe it? That's a lot of backpacks. That is a lot of backpacks and glue sticks and crayons and everything else. Absolutely. Um, And this year... We were mentioning a little bit earlier that the need is so great. We know how inflation and the rising prices of everything has really made a a huge dent in a lot of families' budgets. And I was at the store the other day and looking at some of the school supplies. The cost of school supplies is so high right now. Yeah, you know, I was looking online because, you know, you used to be able to get backpacks at six, seven, eight dollars. Yeah. You're not seeing anything less than about twenty dollars. Yeah. And so the total cost on everything from the price of a box of crayons well, yeah. to the price of the backpacks have just skyrocketed. And so I'm really concerned. And you know, as I said this morning, we already have five hundred and thirty six children registered. Yeah, you were telling me that how does that compare to what uh, an average year would be over yeah. the... Well, we'll run the registration process through um, the end of the month. Mm-hmm. So, um, And then there'll be children that don't get signed up that will come to us after. So typically we do about 1,000 backpacks. Okay. That's been pretty normal, right around the 1,000... Thousand so range, kind of, yeah. So that it kind of gives you a perspective. Even before we're done with the collection, you've got almost half the number you usually hand out. So absolutely, obviously, that just demonstrates. We just started that so on great. Tuesday with those registrations, so it's just going fast. And then the other thing is, I want to let people know is, if you can't make it out today, don't stop collecting. Or you can still drop off. You can drop off at our office or at Stonebridge Church. We need the community support for this program because the kids. Um, really need our support. And, yeah. and the kids have been through so much. You know, COVID has really affected them. 
And we need to get them back in school with the things they need to make their year successful. Now, uh, we've got a lot more about the collection part of this at our webpage at WFIN.com and at GoodMornings.net. It is linked up. So uh, if you're not familiar with the collection process and what we need and how it works on that end, you can check our website. I want to talk a little bit about this distribution. What happens in between the time that we are here and the time that we start distributing all of this stuff, you guys will take all of these donated school supplies, organize them, sort them, put them all together, and... Yeah, with the help of Stonebridge Church and community volunteers, we go out to Stonebridge Church and we get everything sorted and repacked. We, we make backpacks up for every single child. And we distribute those out, um, which will be the middle of August, right before school starts. Okay. So that's kind of the timeline. But again, we still need more. And, and we're going to, you know, we've got a lot, but it's, we maybe have enough for 300 kids on the bus right now. Mm -hmm. So we really need the the community support. It's a good start, but obviously we need more donations. And uh, that's actually quite a big job to organize, you know, maybe a thousand book bags worth of school supplies in basically a month. Again, people are talking about, gee whiz, you're starting talking about back to school already. It's only mid-July. But in order to get these school supplies into the hands of the kids that need them, you need that time. We need to get that them time to get things ready. Yeah. That's the and if, even if you don't want to go shopping, um, you can make a donation on our website at cchsupport.org bring a check-in to the office, bring cash in. They're taking cash donations out here at the bus. Right. So um, just please, please consider helping <laughs> us and making sure that every child has exactly what they need when they go back to school. They're hitting up everybody in the McDonald's drive-thru. We're, we're sure trying. Right. We're sure go. trying. So <laughs> You know how to do it. Um, so for those families who are in need, what is the process to get kids registered to receive the school supplies because, as you mentioned, obviously that's open now. Right. So everything's online at cchsupport.org. So just go onto our website. Um, there's a forms link right there. So go ahead and register your child, and we will have that pick up at Stonebridge Church. You'll get a confirmation time. And you'll just go out there, and they'll load in your car. You don't even have to get your car. We're we're going to have everything just kind of as, as a drive-through. That really, again, over the course of the past decade and a half that we've done that, is we really streamlined the process for picking up the school supplies. And yep, everything uh, has evolved over time. <laughs> yeah, got that down to a science. But you do have to get registered, and you can do that now. Is there a deadline to register? Yes, the 29th of July, Okay. So um, because that gives us a really good idea so we can order the additional supplies that we need. And then um, for those that don't get registered, we take anything that we have left, and then they can come to the family center right before okay. school starts. And then any supplies that are left, we take directly to the schools. You know, the art teachers need supplies, and um, some of the kids come in and they still don't have anything, or they've moved into the area. Right. Um, you know, so there's just so many needs. And one thing at Christian Clearinghouse that we're seeing now is so many people that are homeless. So, you know, they may not even hear these things. They may not even know about these well, things. So we, we, we need to be there for those people. Yeah, that's what I was going to mention. If you are hearing us talk about this and you are set and you are fortunate enough that you are not in need, 
you may very well know someone uh, in your neighborhood, in your social circle, maybe at your church, whatever, that you know may not be as fortunate. So pass this information along to get the uh, word out, because as we were saying earlier, every student really deserves to get the school year off right, and that's what this is all about. Absolutely. We want every child in this community to have exactly what they need to get into school and to have a successful year. That's what, what Stuff the Bus is all about. Um, it's where my heart is. I love to help the kids, and I know the radio station does, and we just really want the best for the kiddos in the community. Again, goodmornings.net for more information about the uh, collection and the registration and all of that. We've got it all linked up. We are at McDonald's on Tiffin Avenue uh, at our Stuff the Bus collection. Uh, thanks again, Tammy Stahl, Christian Clearinghouse, and thanks for all the work that you uh, do in coordinating, you know, organizing this and distributing it. We get the easy part. We just do the collection. You guys uh, do all of the really difficult work behind yeah. the scenes. We appreciate I'm really it. honored to help, and thank you very much. And that will finish up our podcast for today. Thanks again to all of our guests for joining us on the program this morning. And remember, you can get more information about all of the topics that we talk about each day on the show at our webpage, that is goodmornings.net. Coming up Monday, the executive director of the NASA Exoplanet Science Center explains why scientists, especially those who are searching the universe for other planets and potential forms of life, are so excited about the potential of the James Webb Space Telescope. So until Monday morning, that is Good Mornings for this morning. Now that you've had a good morning, go on out and make it a good day, a great weekend. We'll catch you back here next week.